these artists, these musicians, these rappers that I work with, they're making themselves extremely vulnerable. It's easy for me to say, well, you should do it this way, or you should do it that way, or this is wrong, or this is right, when I'm not the one who's putting my whole image, my whole life out there, you know? I'm creative, like I create art, and people will judge my art, but ultimately I get to still hide behind the camera. So with that said, you know, working with artists, I have to be very like aware of that, and I have to be sensitive to that while still providing a confident opinion that they can take or they can leave. Well, ultimately, it really is their art. Hello, it is IRL. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is Rel and Friends, the podcast that is dedicated to empowering creative professionals like yourself, most likely. If you're listening, or maybe you're sitting next to a creative that is listening to this in the car, I'm sorry in advance, but this is some good stuff. Because this is the Rel and Friends Podcast. Let's go. So some updates on my end. I went on a quick trip up to Toronto, as I mentioned, and kind of disappointed in you guys because um, no one hit me up. I asked if there was anyone that listens to the podcast in Toronto and no one hit me up. So that means no one listens to the podcast in Toronto, but that's okay. That's all right. That means we got work to do. But yeah, I went to a convention that was focused on like constructors, construct people that work in construction. And there was some leads for some video work. So we'll see, man. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, a good homie of mine brought me up there and um, he always brings me some pretty cool work. Um, but man, I am slammed this year. Right when I got back, I stepped right into what may become a part-time gig. And I'm still kind of, should I say this? Am I breaching any, I didn't even sign, I didn't sign a contract. Okay. So, okay, just don't tell anyone guys. But the last two episodes of the Rory and Mall podcast, if anyone is familiar, I produced those. So... I want to say I'm their new guy, but, or maybe it's still a trial. I don't know. I'm just happy to be there. I've been a very long time fan of the Rory and Maul podcast. And it's just cool being in the room in the presence of folks that are really good at what they do and a big inspiration for what I am doing. So a lot of game to soak up there, but it's cool. I get to be around creatives twice a week. Everyone's been amazing. So yeah, we're gonna see where that goes. And again, like I don't, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying anything. But my friend on the show today, he's actually the reason why I got in that room. Justin Fleischer is my guest today on the show. I have a long history with my guy. Met him when I first moved out to New York. We met when we were working with the legends Cootie and Chike with Creative Control. Did a lot of early pro era stuff with him yeah and i've been fortunate enough to know him since and he's kept in touch and he's always kind of brought me along the way on his career journey but he now manages logic but anytime there's some video needs he always reaches out to me so 
exciting interview. This is a new perspective for the podcast. We talk a lot about artist management, a little bit about the music industry, just getting perspective of how it is to manage a creative, specifically musicians. And he also has some new content outlets that he's working on as well. So excited for you guys to hear it. But first, some news. So I'm just kind of browsing through some camera news from CES. Um, It's not too exciting, to be honest. Let's see. So I see Sony has announced the Apple Vision Pro competitor. If anyone cares about VR, Apple has been teasing their Vision Pro for a really long time. Anyone that follows emerging tech has probably seen a lot of content around that and it looks like sony has announced theirs not interested nope panasonic lumix s 100 millimeter f 2.8 macro lens was announced cool not interested nope apple vision pro gets a february release date cool yeah the odyssey smart telescope pass nope Oh, okay. What is this? Okay. Canon MS500 interchangeable lens camera. So this looks like it is, I guess, a red competitor. It looks like a big black box with a space for a lens, like every cinema camera. And it has a price tag of $21,000. Cool. I'm not buying one. Nope. Leica has a plus handheld laser scanner. I don't need it. Nope. That's about it, guys. Yeah, I wish there was some better announcements from CES, but that's kind of all I'm seeing as I browse the internet. But forget about it. We don't need any of that. Here's the best tech buying tip anyone can ever give you. Don't buy any of that, okay? If you're an emerging videographer, you just want to dabble, you want to even just see if it's something you want to do, and you have an iPhone, use that. I'm serious. Use your iPhone, get Premiere or some other free program, start editing. If you love it, then upgrade to a camera. That is my tip. You don't need none of that, okay? You know, if you want, okay, let me go back. If you want some tech toys, just go buy it, man. You work hard. You deserve it. Go buy yourself some tech toys, okay? I take it back, but you don't need it. Everybody got choices. But I'm excited about my guest today, Justin Fleischer, a.k.a. J Fly. That's what he goes by on Instagram. It is J-F-L-E-I. Not too hard. Go follow him. And he has a bunch of links to some other things because my guy stays busy. So he's got a, a bunch of other endeavors. But you know what? Without further ado, let's just get into the interview. You want to hear it out of his mouth. Let's jump into that. What is your favorite rap line? Man. <laughs> wow. You really hit me with the... <laughs> man. Oh, man. I mean... Okay, so let's go to Outcast. Um, it's either AT Aliens or Equimini. He's talking about okay. uh, right. staring at the ceiling fan, trying to catch that feeling off instrumentals. There's no rhyme there, but Andre 3000 is like 
absolutely like one of my top five MCs, if not the top. And yeah, that that whole project just puts me in the zone and gets me there, gets me right into that space. Like when I hear that, I'm like, phew, transports me zone, back to high zone school. Zone in, catch that vibe. Yeah. yeah. Did right. you used to rap? You used to rhyme yourself? No, 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 no. no what okay. I used to do is my friends all used to rap and I used to do the beatbox. Yeah. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah, I, used okay. To, I, used to, I used to give them the, the, the rhythm section um, in, in the ciphers. Have you heard the flute album yet? Yeah, what I've been using, I've been using it as a tool to keep my kids calm on the way to school. And it kind of oh, okay. works. Like it, it chills them out a little bit because we have like a 20 minute drive to school every day and they can get pretty hyped. But uh, when, when, <laughs> I, when I throw that on, it kind of like chills them out a little bit. So, okay, I got to try that, man. It's, it's yeah. probably better than it's uh, Coco Melon. It's yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Dope, dope. Absolutely. Watching ceiling fans go round trying to catch that feeling off instrumental. <laughs> We have a lot of memories, a lot of my early days when I first moved to New York, all the coolest gigs, you were there from Cinematic Music Group to working with Cootie and Chike and Static Selecta radio show, like you hooked a lot of that up to Hot New Hip Hop. But one specific day, you were training me to take over for you at Static Selecta's radio show. And then Logic came by and you told me that day you're like i just met logic earlier today he's the coolest guy man i'm gonna try to make something happen you know what i mean and he was so cool because you were leaving your other job and you're like yeah man like logic's dope man i like he's such a cool guy like we got to connect with him and you were encouraging me to talk to him more too and he was so cool and then now man you made a career out of that moment man. so i was there the day you met logic which is crazy yeah, you know that saying? is really crazy, man. That is crazy, like <laughs> how it all transpired from then and there. And that day was a huge crossroads moment. And it's only right that you were there because like we worked together closely for many years doing some really cool shit in New York. So yeah, man, that's a dope memory. Definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah. So the theme of this episode is going to be like video production as like a secret weapon. I've gotten in rooms just being around monumental moments just being a fly in the wall holding a camera, you know what I mean? And that's kind of what you did too. You made a lot of moves through video production. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, what are you doing today? Because I know you're not doing as much video work, but what is your career path right now? Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, I recently did just get back into some video work too. I guess I'll start with that. Like I just recently started working with um, my partner, Menchmain, Jeremy Corellis. He started a platform called DVD Couture. And it's an homage to the DVD era, you know, with the mixtapes and like the freestyles and, you know, early 2000s, like French Montana and Max B and Dipset and like when everyone was using the DVD as a method of promotion. So what Jeremy, you know, it's really his brainchild he's doing is like trying to bring it back. He's posting tons of like archival clips, but then also he's starting like an originals section for the account and for the movement. And I'm pretty much in charge of the visual direction for the originals. So like we've been shooting with VHS, we've been shooting with Handycam and just capturing artists who understand that aesthetic and are trying to like tap in with that movement that Jeremy started. So that's been really fun, man. And I needed something like that. I was missing like shooting and getting scrappy and editing even. Like believe it or not, I was missing editing. So like, it's been really cool. But no, my main gig is really like artist management. And then I do a lot of production for like labels who want like tour coverage or BTS coverage or documentaries. And so like I'll putting pieces together in terms of shooting, editing and helping a few clients with their video needs, but more on like the production side. 
as opposed to shooting and editing. So really DVD is my main outlet for that now. And then I also still doing like photography a bit too, but not as much as I like. I saw the DVD Couture. It's really dope. I even saw some Mac Dre stuff, which really spoke to me because oh, uh, yeah, I'm from the Bay, yeah. and they're like you yeah. know, like that was Hell that yeah. was like those Mac Dre DVDs were huge for the Bay Area, so it was cool that you, to see you guys touching on that too. Definitely, dope, bro. Dope. No, it's a, people are really responding to it. They're really liking it, especially people a little bit more like closer our age group who remember that and catch that nostalgia, and then the young kids, like the real real young kids, are all trying to like mimic that aesthetic too, which is yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. It's like. It's crazy you know, how everything goes back around, but it's been really fun. Yeah, yeah that's old school for them. Right. <laughs> Which is crazy. Okay, so so let me rewind a bit. I first met you when we were working at Creative Control with Kudi and Chike. What were you doing career-wise just before that, before you decided ah. to, to get into video? <laughs> oh, man. It's been a wild journey, man. Immediately before that, I was trying my hand at like freelance videography. And I was taking everything and anything I could, like anything thrown at me. I was just like, sure, you want me to cover like like a marathon or like a stand-up comedian or just like a little radio freestyle. I was working with this dude, Jack Thriller, who was up at XXL. And I was like trying to just make videos with artists he was fucking with. But all of that came from what I was doing before that, which was managing a battle rapper named Iron Solomon. He's a legendary battle rapper and he was trying to transition into becoming a credible recording artist. So like I was working with him and one of my best friends, Isaiah, to like transition him out of battle rapping into the music business. And the reason why I went on to do videography is because in managing him, I realized I had an aptitude for it. And then he decided to like go another direction and, and I was left with all these contacts we had made working together, like the radio stations and the press outlets and stuff. So I was like, hey, I'm doing videography now. And so I was just scrapping, man. And then I stumbled into working with Kuni and Chike because I was up at Static doing his radio freestyle coverage. And I met Shipes and Shipes like, I got to put you on with Kuni and Chike. And they're like, I want to stop by the office, which was at that time was on like 23rd, I believe, in the complex building. And then they gave me an internship just doing editing. And then that turned into something with their whole echo situation and cinematic. But the reason why I was like laughing is because before that, I was a public school teacher, man. And then before that, like I come from like rural New Hampshire. Yeah, the path has been very indirect, if you will. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But video kind of became your way out. Mm -hmm. Man, you've worked with so many artists and you've been at so many like hip hop outlets. Can you like briefly talk about some artists that we might know today that you worked with early on and in some of these outlets that you worked at? Yeah, 100%. So like, let's start from the beginning, you know, Shout out Iron Solomon, the battle rapper. He put me on with so many of the connections I have to this day and in the battle rap world and beyond. From there, I linked with Static, who's a legendary producer and DJ. Going up to Static's show, I was able to film freestyles with everyone from Mac Miller to Absol, Sean Price, Prodigy, you know, like all these incredible MCs and I feel like that was like high school or maybe like college. Like I was just getting educated. Just I like, soaking it up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. At that same time, I started interviewing artists through allindstrom.com. And I got to interview like Nipsey Hussle and uh, Rick Ross, Schoolboy Q, Kendrick. We did hundreds, man. 
like hundreds of interviews because Al was so plugged in as a radio promoter. Like he was able to get us up to every label, like talking to everybody who was moving and shaking at that time. And then the creative control, you and I, we got to work with Joey. We got to work with Crit, Smoke Dizza, all these incredible artists. That was really cool because I felt like that was the next level up in, in terms of like helping artists internally as opposed to like being like a press guy. Like I was more of a press guy, I was static and out. But then when you and I started working with Kudin Chike and Shipes, like we were like part of their team and they were like trying to build these artists up and develop them internally. So that was really dope. And then Hot New Hip Hop and went back to press. And what was cool about that was I feel like I was working there in the heart of like the SoundCloud era. So it's like everybody and anybody who's like starting to get a buzz on like SoundCloud and like before streaming became like crazy. It was like in between the blog era and the streaming area. It was this weird time. So like up at Hot New Hip Hop, we got to do really cool content. Hot New Hip Hop was based in uh, Montreal, but they opened up a New York City office and like we were in charge of it. We got to build it up and turn it into a thing for a couple of years there. Right after that, I went on to work with Logic as his like uh, in-house. So I went back to the internal arts development side as a videographer for Logic. And in working with him, I got to meet incredible artists like Killer Mike and then Wiz. We went on tour with Wiz. We went on tour with YG. And he's just collaborated with some really incredible artists. He's collaborated with Wu-Tang Clan. He's collaborated with Eminem. Mm -hmm. Did you get to sit in in those sessions? Those were like my favorite times when we got to sit into sessions. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Being in the studio is still to this day like my favorite place to be. Like even though I don't have any musical talents, I just love being around it. I love being around music being created. I love being around like ideas when they spark. And I love capturing them too, like in a tactful way, like being a fly on the wall and stuff. Today, we dropped a single with Riff Raff, Conway, and, and Logic. And so it was- uh, Riff Raff. I haven't heard him in a while. <laughs> exactly. It's so random, such a random collaboration, but like people are really, really responding to it. But uh, yeah, man. I got to check that out. You put me on to uh, also uh, Nems, who's, who's kind of blown up in the last couple of years. You know, didn't yeah. you do some of his early music videos? Actually, that was the very first music video I ever did. I want to say it was like 2012, maybe 11. Nems, who was a friend of mine through Iron Solomon, because he used to be a battle rapper. He was actually on the original Fight Club, like on MTV2. They used to have Fight Club. Like he was on there and like him and Solomon were really close. And we used to work labor gigs together. Like we used to like set up events, unloading trucks and loading trucks like through Solomon's labor company. Nems and I were really cool. And when he found out that I was doing videography, he's like, you want to come to Puerto Rico with me to shoot a video? Like, I can't pay you anything. And I was like, yes, like, of course, I won't go to Puerto Rico and shoot a video. So it's called Cold Blooded. It is really fun, man. And if you look at it, it's definitely embarrassing in terms of like production quality, but it's also like fire because it just captures that time in Nems' life, in my life, like when we were just scrapping, man, just making a video. I was using like a Canon 60D that I borrowed from somebody and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, basically used like Final Cut 10, which at that time was like iMovie. I cut it up on the plane on the way home. That's how hyped I was. Like I would never do that nowadays. Like I would, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like trying to kick my feet up, but at that time I was like, yeah, let me get this shit uploaded. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's just so, so eager, right? 
Yeah, but no, Nems is amazing. Like, and now he's really he's doing his thing. You know, he got the whole Bing Bong movement mm -hmm, like really mm -hmm. going. I, I linked him with yeah, Static Bing Bong too. Bong up. Yeah. Oh yep, yep. I remember yeah, he used so to come like, there a lot. Yeah, they've done some stuff together since then, and they're real cool now. But that's one of my favorite things too is like linking people and like making connections, and then seeing what comes from it. I'm constantly doing that, trying to allow worlds to collide. You know, and like people to really like take advantage of each other's skill sets in the best way. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and you definitely connected me, and I'm very appreciative of that, and that's why I was really excited to talk to you today. So you're a videographer at the core, I guess, but your career path has really been within the hip-hop world. So when you were like a teacher, did you know that you just wanted to be involved in hip-hop at any way possible, or was it really video that got you into the hip-hop world? Okay, so... My entire life, I've loved hip-hop. Like I said, I come from rural New Hampshire. Not a lot of hip-hop going on over there, but I've always been drawn to it. My first tape was Heavy D, and then it was Fresh Prince, Summertime, on tape. And then 96, Fuji used to score. Like, I was like 12 years old, and I was like transfixed by it. Then when I got to high school, it was like Trap Called Quest, Beats, Rhymes, and Life was like my Bible listen to it every single day, The Roots. And then like I was really big in like the backpack era. Like, you know, I was wearing Triple Five Soul. Like I was like listening to Soundbombing 2, like late 90s, early 2000s, just everything and anything backpack. I used to think like mainstream was like the enemy and stuff. And then yeah, yeah. I grew Me up too. a little Me bit. Too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, but the point is like, I was always like drawn to it. I never thought it could be like my career. My dad's a teacher and my mom's an artist, but like I was always very much of the mindset that I had to do something in like education or social justice. That was like what I thought I was going to do for my career. And I ended up teaching for about six years, but there was just this one moment where I was like on the phone with my boy Isaiah, who I mentioned earlier, and I was just pretty much just venting and telling him how miserable I was teaching because. I love the kids, but I did not love the job. Like it was very draining and it's a very messed up system, the education system, New York City public schools. And I didn't think I was really doing too much of a service for the kids, like in terms of really educating because it was all about test prep. So anyway, to answer your question, he's like, well, I'm building up this label. Like, do you want to come work with us? We can't pay you anything. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I had to take a leap of faith. And at first it was like doing the business side. And then through doing that, I realized I had a skill set for video, but I'd also been like into video too. Like my senior year of high school, I took a video class using, it was like a Sony Handycam and, and I learned Final Cut 3 at that time. Uh, it was like 1999, maybe 2000. And That's my I, first uh, time I used Final Cut 3 also. Yeah, or maybe 2001. I remember it being really exciting. I remember the feeling like this is something I'm drawn to, but again, at, at that time, I didn't think it could be my job. Same as with hip hop. And then I think something about living in New York City is what also made it all feel possible, ultimately. Because New York City, like there's so much at that time, I don't know what it's like now. Like it, it felt so possible because there was so much going on. So many people in the studios there. It's just an exciting place to live. And it made shit like working in entertainment, working in music with video it made it feel possible. Mm -hmm. All right, listen up, guys. 
I'm sorry to do this. I gotta take a quick break from this interview to let you guys know about something very special I have going on. About three years ago, I created this company called Art of Storytelling. And basically what we do is we sell cassette tapes of Slick Rick's The Art of Storytelling. Just kidding. So I run a full service production company. We do everything from ideation, pre-production, production, post-production, very much geared around solving problems through storytelling. So the next time you're in a brainstorm meeting with your boss and he says, we need to create a video to create impact or to make a splash for some sort of initiative, send him my way. I promise you'll be the hero. You'll be the office hero once they get that beautifully shot vertical video that everyone watches on their phones. Hit me up, rel.mov on IG. Chances are I have a video that you need already. Let's talk it through. All right, back to the program. Being in New York City, one, you have access to so many artists and so many artists are just eager to work with a videographer. So finding work isn't hard. And also, New York City is a place where you could kind of point your camera in any direction and the shot is dope, man. You can get a dope shot anywhere. So the running gun style music videos, you could do it. The hard part is, when do you start making money? You know what I mean? Because a lot of that is not making money. So let me jump into my first segment. It's called For the Love of Money. And it's a segment that I hope we can encourage some transparency around money talk in the creative world. So your early, early videographer journey when did you start seeing real money? You know what I mean? Like how long in the game was it and where was it where you started seeing like some real money? Yeah, honestly, bro, like it was the echo situation. Cause before that was very minimal. I got paid like throughout, like Al Lindstrom doing the interviews, maybe like two, 250 an interview to shoot and edit. And it was just supplemental income. My main gig, like I said, was doing labor jobs. Well, first of all, I was on unemployment and I was doing labor jobs, setting up events. And then I was getting like 250 an interview. And we were maybe doing like one a week, maybe. So it's like a, a thousand bucks a month of supplemental income. And when he tried to like send me a 1099, I'm like, I didn't know you were going to tax me on this. Like it was like a whole thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea how the business worked. I was like, how are you going to oh, tax man, me yeah. on this? You barely pay me. Yeah, shout out Al. That was the best shit ever though. Static I was doing for free, just for free. I was doing static for free. And then NIMS did pay me like all the little freelance videos I was doing, I was maybe getting like a couple hundred bucks for. So when Creative Control offered me the internship, that was free at first as well. And then they got a situation with Echo and Cinematic. We had to do some like promotional videos for Echo, Cinematic, Creative Control. It was like this big umbrella and we got like a monthly check. And it was nothing crazy, but it was the first time where it was like enough that it was like I could pay my rent. And then I think it made less when I went over to Hot and Hood Pop. Oh, really? That. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was really, really minimal. Yeah. But you were like leading the video team, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a substantial. Damn, so you, but you were doing tons of work, dude. I was a one man shop, completely in charge of uh, their YouTube channel that they were trying to build up. So like all these interviews and music videos and behind the scenes content. Yeah, I was doing it pretty much all by myself. So it was a lot and, and it didn't pay that much. But to this day, I don't regret it just because like all the connections I made, all the experience that I garnered. But the money wasn't there. And then with Logic, 
when I started out, it was all freelance. I was getting paid like by the tour and by the project. My first tour, I did like two months. It was a two month tour. I got 4,000 bucks total. I moved into my grandmother's attic, so I got rid of rent. And then I started getting tour money. I got like paid for like a video here and there that I, did, I would do for Logic. And then I did documentary from the Def Jam marketing budget. We got like, like 15, 20K for the documentary. Kept working with Logic, kept doing tours. Every tour I would get, make a little bit more per tour. And I would do like some freelance in between as well with other people. But Logic was definitely my main client. And then I want to say like 2017, 2018, he was able to offer me a full-time position, but not to do anything video related. It was to help run the record label he had started, which is really just like an imprint where he signed like four or five artists. And he was like, you're going to be in charge of the label, like help them with their development. And then recently, two years ago, he made me his manager manager. So now I get paid commission. Word. Okay, so you're officially Logic's manager now. Yeah, that's my main gig. So I'm his manager. I have a co-manager, Mike Holland, who's also my business partner with a few other clients that we manage, a producer named Six, another rapper named C. Castro, and an indie rock legend named Travis Stacy. And then I help manage Atmos Mixing Studio out in Denver, run by Bob Campbell who's a Grammy-winning mixing engineer. And then I'm also partners with Mike and my boy Brandon in the video production company, where we do like short format content for labels. We actually did short format content for another podcast. Did you catch the blog era? Yes, I did, I did. I so did. we did like yeah, all I, the I love those like guys. cut downs. Oh yeah, Jeff and Eric. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. like, we'll do short format content for podcasts labels, and then finally DVD Couture. So, but that's still in the very early stages. There's no real money in that, you know, yet, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this whole journey of yours, there's like a lot of time in the investment stage. Like you're putting a lot of your time and energy into and working for free for this bigger vision. You know what I'm saying? I admit, man, I've been getting jaded in those environments and I'm like, where's the money at? You know, show me where the money's at. What keeps you motivated to stay active and see these things through and not get jaded? No, I'm definitely jaded too. <laughs> I'm 100% <laughs> jaded too. I'm a, like, I can't tell you that I'm not. It can be extremely frustrating. I can relate 100%. The money in this industry comes slow, inconsistently, unprofessionally. Sometimes when it comes, it, it, it's good, but most of the time it's like you're being undervalued or underappreciated. And not only does it hurt your pocket, but it can hurt your feeling of self-worth. It can hurt you. It's not even your ego. It's like sometimes it can just make you feel like what you're doing is like not uh, contributing. So I think that I've been able to build up internal confidence, internal motivation, knowing that like, I'm going to leave it all in the field. I'm going to do things to the best of my ability. I'm going to contribute the best art that I can. And if there are notes, there are notes. Let's talk about them. You know, we can work through them. But it's like, at the end of the day, you came to me for a reason. Let's make this happen and then make sure the business is right and try to approach it methodically. Like, here's the art. Let's talk about it. Let's get it to a place where you're happy with it for sure. And then simultaneously or beforehand, ideally, let's make sure the business is right. There shouldn't be like this 
gray area or ambiguity around the business, you know? But there there often is, you know, and navigating those situations can be treacherous, man, and disconcerting and disheartening. But I think I've been hardened over time and I've built up a good kind of approach to business where, to be frank, like, this is what it is. Like, let's get it done. Like, come correct. This is the job. This is how much it costs. Oh, you want to negotiate the price? Okay, let's find the price. And now, like, here's the work. It's never that simple, but try to make it that simple. But then again, like you mentioned also, there are times where an investment is worthy. It's worth doing something for free. Honestly, there are times where that is the case just to establish a relationship, establish rapport, get some experience that you wanted, but make sure that you're getting something out of it that's going to help you in the long run. Yeah, you know, in the game, especially in hip hop, there's going to be a lot of times where you have to invest your time um, for free for the bigger vision. Us being at the stage that we're at right now, you know, we got families, you know, we got bills to pay. How do you choose which of those projects you take on where you got to invest your time and energy? I'm sure there's a lot of projects that come your way. People probably still ask you to do music videos or edits or whatever for free. Like, how do you choose which ones you do and which ones you don't? Okay, so I always start from really like the biggest of the big pictures, which is like, what do I really want? Not to sound like corny, but like in life, like what do I really want? What is my purpose? What do I want to do? What is going to help feed my family? Also, this is super important because one of the things I want in my life is to make sure my family's good. You know, as much as I like love creating dope art, the most important factor is feeding my family and making sure that it's safe and protected. And so when I have all these things on my plate, I give my time to what goes back to what I want and what I need and those big picture goals. I always stay connected to those. I don't get caught up in like, oh, well, this deadline is two days from now. Like, okay, but what is like most important in the big picture? It's easy to get lost in short term or small picture things, but ultimately trying to zoom out and determine what's really important, what really matters. It, that's the key for me to prioritizing what I dedicate my time, effort, energy to. I'm glad you touched on the family thing because I know this is something we could both relate to. So as being in non-traditional work environments, there's times where we need to travel or there's times where we need to work long hours and we might have to skip out on parental duties for a few days. You know what I mean? Like, how do you navigate that with you and the family and still being able to get work done? Is there any tricks to it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, what I've found is really helpful. I'll get family members out here to help my wife on my way because none of my family members live close. But like when I have a really big project and I'm going to be away for a few days, I try to get someone out here to be there because otherwise I can't really focus on my work because I'm always like worried about what's going on at home. It'd be one thing if I just have one kid, but I have two kids. So it's like I need to make sure my wife is good and she's getting the support and help because otherwise it's like an act of war. It's literally like like a hostile act to leave someone with two kids. Like, God bless them. I love the kids. They're incredible kids, but it's just so much work. I'll go on tour with Logic and my wife and kids will go post up with family in DR or in New Hampshire or Florida, like all over the map, like wherever our family is, or they'll come out here to California because it's that peace of mind knowing someone is there with them. But it, it can be really hard, man. We take it situation by situation and we figure out how everyone is going to be as happy as possible. Sometimes I do have to leave the family alone and like 
what I try to do is make up for that when there's like a time where I can step up and like let my wife break off and do something that she wants to do. But I found that that just creates the smoothest environment, you know, but it's really challenging because like you said, it's a non-traditional job. It's like, I never know too, like when I have to go jump on a call, like sometimes fire drills come up and I just have to break off and it can be really challenging, but I, I think we're learning how to navigate it better recently. Yeah, but there have been really, really tough times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I know exactly how it is. And I, I like that you try to always find support where you can. I approach it the same where I'm like, okay, this client, I'm making this much money. This percentage goes to like flying my wife's parents out to be here for a week. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's dope, man. So going back to being a creative, how is it collaborating with other creatives when you are making someone else's music video and you're doing it for free or like our low pay and then they're going to have a lot of feedback because it's their music video is that a challenge do you ever have issues do you ever bump heads when doing that you know definitely and i will say man this is something i've changed that i've evolved i feel like a lot with okay like going all the way back to elementary school i didn't like working in groups i like to do everything myself and then when I started becoming a creative and doing videos and photography, like I didn't like notes. I didn't like feedback and I would take it very personal and it would bruise my ego and I would act kind of like a like an asshole like about it. Like I didn't like it. And then I've evolved where I just like, especially, I think it's help, been helpful working on the management side and seeing the artist's perspective, you know, and knowing that like ultimately they just want to represent themselves in the best way possible and with their vision and like melding the vision of the creative with the artist. It's a delicate dance, man. But like, I do feel like I've gotten better. Like I could take notes really well now. I don't take them personally. I love to implement them. I'm way less precious about it now. Like I used to be very like, oh no, like this transition needs to be like this because that dictates X, Y, and Z. And, but now I'm like, oh, okay, that's what the artist wants. Okay, maybe I'll suggest like, okay, just so you know, this was my thought process here. This is why I had this transition like this, but I'm totally down to change it. And then sometimes the artist be like, no, fuck it, I want to change regardless. And sometimes like, oh, I see what you mean. So it's just a matter of communication, you know, open, transparent communication and keeping in mind the goal is to make the dopest piece of art possible. Ultimately, it is your vision. It's your art. You're the artist that I'm creating something for. Like, this isn't for me. It's for you. But, like, let's work together on it. Let's just make the best video possible or the best documentary possible. But also, there are some times where you're just like, okay, these notes are extra. Like, you're doing too much. <laughs> so, sometimes I'm just like, uh, yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. We, when we were filming one time, there was an artist that came up to you and you were still doing like free music videos for cats. I won't say the artist's name, but he came up to you and he was like, can you do this music video for me? I only shoot with reds now, but, then, but like he still wanted a free <laughs> music video, but he wanted a red camera. You know what I mean? Do you deal with stuff like that still often? Yeah, man. I mean, I live right by Hollywood now, but like the Hollywood artists, like I, at this point, I just kind of find it amusing, man, because I feel like it's so outdated to be like Hollywood as an artist. But like, you know what I mean by Hollywood, right? Just like you said, like I only shoot with reds now. I feel like it's a little bit old, but there are still a lot of people who move like that. And like I said, at this point, I just find it amusing, man. It's like, 
a good approach to just find the humor in things as opposed to engaging with it or taking it personal or anything like that. So at this point, I'm just like, that's kind of hilarious. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like sometimes yeah. I just feel like I'm in an episode of Atlanta, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like man, you're tripping. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you really taking yourself that serious, man? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Some right. content. We're just making content. Man. And also I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of my favorite things to talk about, which is that like the actual cameras and the tools that we use don't yeah, it doesn't, matter. Matter. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like TikTok has proven that. All these people who use their phones to shoot videos. Frank Ocean lost the video lost. Yep, yep. Like Yep, yep. And it looks dope. Like it just, looks dope. Yeah. But forget a phone too. Like the DVD couture stuff I've been shooting with us JVC from nineteen ninety eight. And it's just about catching a feeling and making people feel something in a stylistic way. And these tools can only get you so far. You got to have the sauce. You got the sauce. I've been tricking people into thinking I have the sauce for 10 years You got years the sauce, now. man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like you got to make people feel something. And also it's about how close you can get to your subject, not just physically, but like rapport wise or like understanding wise. Like it's about intimacy. Well, paradoxically, it's also about giving them the space, right? Being on the wall. Yeah. So fuck those reds, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck those reds, man. We don't need that. Especially if you're not trying to pay for it. You know? No, okay, so okay. No. So so let me ask you this. So being a creative yourself, what are the things you have to deal with managing creatives? Well, I do think we have to be a little more specific about what type of creatives, because while I am a creative, like I'm a creative that puts artists on a pedestal and makes them the center of the show being the center of the show as a creative is a terrifying prospect for me i can only empathize with that like right now we're talking i'm nervous like i'm not used to being like on camera you know like i'm like asking you if i should wear my glasses or not like i'm not used to that being on this side of the camera i think that's a very specific type of creative like putting yourself in the spotlight and i have to be sensitive to that. Like I have to recognize that these artists, these musicians, these rappers that I work with, they're making themselves extremely vulnerable. It's easy for me to say, well, you should do it this way, or you should do it that way, or this is wrong, or this is right. When I'm not the one who's putting my whole image, my whole life out there, you know, I'm a creative, like I create art and people will judge my art, but ultimately I get to still hide behind the camera. So with that said, you know, working with artists, I have to be very like aware of that and I have to be sensitive to that while still providing a confident opinion that they can take or they can leave. But ultimately, it really is their art. Yeah, dope, dope, dope. Yeah. And, and I guess the luxury of being a videographer is that you are kind of just a fly in the wall, man. You get to sit in in these really cool right. moments and not have to talk, you know? You just film, you just like observe, right. you know? And I love doing that too, man. Like I usually just stay quiet and just like let the moments happen and just capture that, man. That's what I love about videography. You know what I'm saying? So if you like what you heard, if you're seeing some value, if you're getting some inspiration, if you could just do me a favor, 
Go over to their podcast platform and rate us five stars. Leave a little comment. Let folks know how much you like the podcast because then you'll help us get into other people's homes, ears, wavelengths, brains, and we'll spread the gospel. All right? Let's get into the next segment. It's called Scope Creeps. Scope creep is a term that creative professionals use to describe when a client's expectations or deliverables increase over time without any conversation about money or time compensation. Man, you're in the hip hop game. I'm sure there's plenty of times where you've had to deal with that. Any notable stories you can name? Yeah, yeah. It was a documentary I worked on and the scope definitely changed over time. But also the budget changed. I was like, okay, yeah, we can do all this, but like it's going to cost more. Sometimes you don't always have that luxury like to be able to make that demand because you might be working directly with the artist. But this was a job that we got through a label and the scope changed and, and we just had to adjust the budget. And was it the label that changed the scope of it? No, no. The artist changed the scope and then, and then we changed the budget and then the label paid for the additional budget. Uh, okay. So this is kind of a success story, but yeah. you lost a lot more time basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it ultimately... It wasn't even so much about the time lost. It was more just like it wasn't the efficient way to execute the production. But I get it. Things do change. As an artist manager, I know things change. Artist vision changes. It's a balance, man. In an ideal world, you know what your vision is. You're able to communicate that effectively to the production team. The production team executes. That's the ideal world. In reality, sometimes... The vision changes. The production has to change. I think as an artist manager, what I learned from that is make sure you know what your vision is and communicate it clearly. You have that rare skill set where you know how to execute on creative, but then you also are great at managing the business side. Usually people lean toward one side more. So yeah, that's a great skill set to have, man. Cool. So I want to go through some rapid fire questions for you. So I usually ask a question, major versus independent. It's been a while since you've had like a kind of corporate job or just like a nine to five. But from your experience, what do you prefer, major or independent? I like being independent. I like being my own boss. I own my own business. I help with several businesses. I like that. It's empowering. It's exciting. It's very challenging. It's inconsistent, but I do ultimately like it better. There's two things I don't like about it and that I miss about getting paid by a corporation. Like I miss benefits. Like I don't get like health benefits for my family. That's hard. So I have to pay that out of pocket. And I also don't like the taxes. You have to like navigate taxes completely differently. It's kind of, it's a man, very challenging. It screwed me, man. I have been screwed many times. <laughs> yeah, like shit, yeah, I didn't put yeah. aside money for taxes, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you exactly. gotta figure that yeah, out, man. Like, yeah, I've had to pay the piper a few times. I do like being my own boss and I like building up my business. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's more freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the growing pains we kind of got to get through as independent people. But I do want to ask, since you are in the hip hop game, working with a major label or putting stuff out completely independent, what do you prefer? I've worked with labels in three different capacities. One, I've worked with a major label, Universal Def Jam, and I worked very closely with them to put out developing artists and helped with Logic stuff too. Right now, I work with Logic and BMG. So Logic's independent, but BMG's is distributor and they help with marketing and distribution. It's not that different. It's not that different. Honestly, those two. It's different for Logic because he owns his master's. 
Mm, okay. But other than that, they're labels. Sure. Now, the third thing I do is I just distribute music for the artists that Logic signed. I help them distribute their music through TuneCore, which is that's really independent. And that's fun. Like I get to like A&R and curate releases and put together marketing plans. Like nothing crazy, but like it's fun because the artist sends me the music, the art, the lyrics. I, I upload it. I get it ready. I distribute it to the stores. And then we promote it and we're a very small team. It's just me and my partner, Nanisha, and we work together to put out music for these artists. We've put out like dozens of releases over the last few years. And it's cool to see like the results and like people's reactions. And it's really fun. So if I'm just like an aspiring artist, I'd say stay independent for as long as you can. But then when it makes sense for you to have a part, make sure it's a partnership with a label where like it's a true partnership where they're coming in to like help you instead of like take advantage of you sure but yeah I, either way it's like dope to just put music out into the world but i do like the autonomy of the independent route i'm not sure i love TuneCore though oh yeah but i mean it's cool it's a cool tool because you could get to in- release independently right yeah but there are other ones i gotta explore that oh, so okay. okay anyone okay, listening cool, 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 knows cool. a great independent distributor let me know <laughs> okay word word and then also uh Man, Logic maintaining ownership of his masters, that's huge, man. So I, I guess it, that yeah. would be a big one is to make sure you, you have control of your uh your publishing, right? Definitely. No, that's huge. No, that's that's gonna that's really gonna help him. And it changes the way he approaches the music too. It's like, oh, I get to own this afterwards instead of just it belonging to a huge corporation. So it's like he's making more music that he loves and he believes in uh, more than ever now. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Word. Okay. And then what does the next five years look like to you? Oh man. I'm trying to buy a house someday for sure. <laughs> I want to keep traveling the world. I want to keep going to studio sessions. I want to keep putting out great music with great artists that I love. I want to keep building up DVD Couture with my partner, Jeremy. I really just want to elevate, you know, I just want to keep progressing and not just plateau, not be stagnant. I just want to get active. I also just have like personal goals, like of just wanting to just get really healthy. And I really got into like health for a few months there this year. <laughs> and then I relapsed. So like, I'm trying to get back to it top of next year, but I was like working out and eating great and stuff. So that was exhilarating. Definitely want to do that. But uh, the next five years, man, I just want to keep doing dope shit in music and videoing the world of creativity with cool people. That's like the big overarching goal. Like keep making dope shit with dope people. But on an elevated level. On yeah. Yeah, man. You keep elevating, man. I keep saying it, man. That's dope to see. Thank you, man. So if you could say anything to the young you, what would it be? Mm. Around the age of 28, I came to understand the importance of my word and integrity. And I kind of wish I had awakened to that a little sooner. Because that was transformative for me when I like really realize how important like being a a man of your word and just like being like authentic was so like but then again it's part of growing up like you're figuring yourself out but i just wish that i had come to me a little bit sooner but i also don't have any real regrets but i would probably just tell my younger self to be authentic to your word do the right thing and be a good person those are the most important things to me is like work harder than everybody else and just be a good person man whenever people hit me up 
Like, what's your advice? Like, how'd you do? I'm all just like, work hard and be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine a time where you were not a good person and not a man of your integrity, man. That's how I see <laughs> you. And, love, and everyone I talk to that has talked you, to you says the same thing, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I know that's a big part yeah, of uh, what you, got man. you there. That means a lot to me. For sure, man. For sure. Uh, and I mean that. And I feel the same way about you, bro. I want to say I've always had nothing but love and respect for you. I always loved working with you. And I'm really proud of you for putting together this podcast. So you've seen me on the comments. Like I've really been loving what I've been seeing so far. And I'm really, really excited for you because this is a dope thing that you're creating that I think is very important too. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. And, I, and I'm grateful on behalf of the creative community man, for what you yeah, do. Yeah, it's word. very dope. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, next question, AI, and this is good because you're in the music space. AI, <laughs> do you fear it or do you use it? <laughs> I'm terrified of it. <laughs> my uh, wife loves it. My business partner loves it. All the labels, everyone's starting to use it, starting to be drawn to it. I also have to sort of like consider it and I think I used it once for something and I like felt bad. I felt guilty because, you know, like we come from a school like you and I, we come from like true creative school of like, like, let's let's do this shit like an artful, cool way. And it's like it's somewhat daunting. Right. But yeah, I would say it's mostly. Yeah, I'm mostly just scared of it to answer your question. Yeah, because like I, I've seen all the movies. I robot. Yeah, man. <laughs> Have you seen anyone messing with Logic's voice and making rap songs with Logic's voice? Yeah, so, ah, man, I don't know if I should say this, but a company approached us about, like, how they could, like, license it and do it the right way, which I appreciate. Crazy. So that they're actually thinking about that, huh? Yeah, that's definitely in motion, man. People are, I mean, you saw, like, the Drake and Kanye single or whatever that came yeah. out that was AI. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be ways that people incorporate it into everyday life um, more and more. And it's going to happen quick. It's going to happen really fast. It's, it's happening. Damn. Definitely happening. I'm yeah. nervous, man. I'm nervous. Yeah, the music game's going to change. Yeah, and the last question, man, uh, segment that I call Drop a Gem on Them. Once again. Jay Fly, if you can drop any knowledge on these young videographers or anyone wanting to step into the hip hop world, what kind of gem would you drop on them? To a videographer specifically, don't be too precious. Get out there, get scrappy, shoot, 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 shoot everything and anything. Don't say no. If you're just starting out and you have no track record, no reputation, no credibility, then you need to be shooting. You need to be getting experience. You need to be getting 10,000 hours. You need to be getting reps in. You need to be editing. You need to be shooting. You need to be lighting. You need to be capturing sound. You need to figure out what you're good at, what you're not good at. You need to find a team. You need to just get out there, get active, be proactive, get ahead of the curve. Don't get too caught up on gear, but also at the same time, while you're being scrappy, don't be a dick. Be like a good person, be dependable, and make sure your business is right, but also don't take advantage of people. So it's a balance. Yeah, but a young videographer, man, just shoot, shoot, shoot. And determine if it's really something you love. And also, to be very honest with you, determine if it's something you're actually good at. Jay-Z said it best. He said that everybody has genius level of talent at something. 
you know, and it's like, once you figure out what that is, go with it, you know, but it might not be videography. That's the other thing, you know, like some people have it, some people don't. That's a reality. So like figure out if you have it, if you have it, give everything to it. Word. I just want to say thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been really always good talking to you, man. Love what you're doing. Keep doing it. And to all the listeners, keep listening because Rel's got gems for days. Yeah. Rel's got friends for days. You know, so keep listening. I'll keep listening. And uh, yeah, hope we can talk again soon, bro. Uh, definitely, man. This is the first of many conversations, man. We'll be back. Absolutely. And that, my friends, is the interview with the one and only Justin Fleischer. I hope you enjoyed some tidbits, some knowledge. Such a good dude, such an inspiration. It's just, it's crazy to see his projection and so crazy that I was the day, I was there the day that he met Logic and look where he's at now. Very proud of my friend there. And he, he's one of those guys that you know is just gonna be here for a long time. Like you can go a long time without speaking and then whenever opportunity comes up, he'll hit you up and yeah, it's always love, man. So I hope everyone's 2024 is off to a great start. Man, I'm, I'm so excited this year starting off way better than I expected it. Already busy. Um, so I also want to plan this next vacation because we work hard, we play hard, right? That's the motto. Till next time, y'all. Peace.